You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday the 30th of August. Another lovely morning here in TW11. Heavy dew this morning, a little bit of a mist, but burning off and another bright day is forecast. It could be a little wetter come the weekend, slightly unsettled for most parts of the UK in the lead up to Sprint Cup day at Haydock Park. That's the Group 1 feature here. Big Group 1 in Germany is the Grosser Price von Baden. We'll be talking about both races during the course of this show. Jane Mangan will be with me shortly, the RTE and Racing TV broadcaster. And we felt it right to try and clear up exactly what's gone on in the Ado McGuinness Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board case that we first brought you last week concerning a horse called Laugh a Minute who wasn't presented for a post-race dope test after finishing down the field in the Rockingham at the Curra on the Sunday of Irish Derby weekend. Uh, Adrian McGuinness was fined €750. Euros. Jane and I last week suggested he was rather fortunate to get away with €750. Euros. The, the official sanction was failing to comply with a reasonable request or instruction from a racing official. Now, McGuinness has rather surprisingly reared up against that as you heard from Tom and Dave Yates yesterday and said that he and this case has been presented to the media with crucial facts omitted so as to portray him and the incident in a rather more misleading and potentially negative light than ought to have been the case. I'll let you judge for yourselves. Let's hear from McGuinness first of all and then Jane Mangan will tell you what the IHRB have said to her today. This was Ado McGuinness when I said to him exactly what was his grievance with the way that this had been handled. Yeah, look, uh, I'm, there, was, I, there was a miscommunication on the day. My, my horse, there was a routine blood sample on the day with my horse, which every horse in that race was sampled. And when, she, when, when my horse was sampled... She, there was a. She noticed a puncture on. Uh, she said a lump of puncture on. Doctor Hillier noticed a puncture on the horse's neck, which he got a doof like the day before, which is normal with horses like him because he sweats a lot and you know he's quite highly strong. And we went to the stewards. The stewards accepted my explanation. They were quite happy. And at that time, before we went to the stewards, there was five more extra blood taken from my horse. There was only one taken from every horse in the race, but there was five extra taken from my horse that day. All returned a negative test. And she asked, what, she told me I wanted to, t- to blood test the horse again after racing, or to test the horse again after racing. I was quite happy that that was going to be done. And with, with the, there was a mis- I understood my staff had been informed because when I was there at the race, I wasn't actually in the stable yard. I was in over at the race course side, and it's a, a good walk between there and the stable. And I had understood the being told, and they weren't. And I didn't tell them, which I put my hands up, and I admitted that I did not tell them. And then, <clears throat> as 
the horses, my horses went straight back to the stable yard. They were there for 20 minutes after racing, left the stable yard. They were in the vicinity of the car park. For my lorry left the car park at 10 past four. So they were there for another 40 minutes because we had to get two trucks shifted to get the lorry out that day. My driver couldn't get the truck out. And at quarter to three, a quarter to four, the IHRB of veterinary officer went back to my stable and my, and my horses were gone, which they were. And they asked, the, the guy in the stable yard said we'd gone 10 minutes, which they were gone out to the car park. And the first I heard of all this was, I was going to be, I was being sent to the referrals over not producing the horse for a, for a test. Now, that day before racing, I was called out to go to the weigh room that day because I had to explain to the stewards about the infusion of electrolytes my horse had got, which they were quite happy and accepted it. Why could they not have called my name out again and asked me or make a phone call to me I was there for two more hours after racing. I watched actually a football match with a couple of owners. So I was on the vicinity of the track for two more hours. Now I do put my hands up and I did not inform my staff and I'm not, it was, as I said, a miscommunication, but it could very easily have been solved very easily with one phone call. Doesn't the buck always stop with you to make sure you comply with the rules? Yes, it can, but I had understood my staff had been, if you look at the rule, if you look at the rules and, and the regulations that when a horse is required for a sample after racing, they are accompanied by a, an official back to the stable to get a bucket and then brought back to the testing box. I understood that was been happening with my horse. I don't check every day after I have a winner. My horses are sampled every day after I have a winner. Because it's a routine, it's a routine thing that the horses go to stable, get the book and then brought straight to the veterinary box. I understood that happens, but I don't make that phone call every day to make sure that's done because it's it's routine that it's done all the time. And the interesting thing is that you want to take this up further, and and you want to come on on the air and talk publicly about it. When I saw that you got a seven hundred and fifty euro fine for your horse not not going for a test after the race, I thought, well. Ada McGuinness has got very lucky there because, you know, on the principle that if you're pulled over by a by a policeman and you refuse to give a breath test or you're an athlete in the Olympics and you refuse to give a sample, then you, your censure and your punishment is going to be a lot more you know, significant than than the one that the one that you received. Did you see where people were coming from when they first saw the saw the piece? Of course I did. I, I had asked. I had just asked to make public to make the public aware that my horse had been had five extra tests taken pre-race that day. I'd asked just to clear that up because I think if the public had have seen that, they mightn't like the, you know when, when they read the when they read the report first. Well, the first thing they they thought that I ran. Mm. Yeah, because as as Rich as Richie Forrestal wrote in his piece, there was a it seems to be a very short space of time between the the time getting back to the stables and the time that your your box left seventeen minutes. Which you know anyone who's worked with horses knows that that's kind of ripped. They left the, they left the yard. They left the stable yard. The stable yard and the the car park is right next to. We were actually in the car park. Mm. So they could. So they could. They they could conceivably have got hold of you. Is what you're saying? 
they could easily have got hold of my horses. You know, they could easily have got hold of the horses. It wasn't a case that I ran or anything else. They could easily have got hold of my horses. And that is, I suppose that's the annoying part of the whole situation. And it, 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 it's not good for the industry. And I, I, I have, to me, right, I put my hands up and said I made a mistake by not informing my staff. But it could easily have been solved by one phone call. Ado, I appreciate you uh, you talking to me today, and I, I realise that we should probably deal with these things separately. But when I, I rang you this morning, you had just worked your 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 star sprinter, a case of you. Uh, how did he get on, and what's the plan? Yeah, we're very very happy. Um, he's like a tiger now at the moment. Really really happy. He'll do one more piece of work before he runs at the weekend, and the all systems go for the flying five and. Really looking forward to it. I could do it with a drop of rain, okay, but hopefully we will get it. Okay, and is this the, is this the European Group One this season that you've always felt had his name on it? Yeah, well, we always target at the back end. You know what what had happened. You know what what's happened. I suppose Ascot it just didn't happen for us. But we we always are targeted after Dubai was always the back end of the year, and you know we're really just gearing them up for it. And fingers crossed, we're going to pluck one or two of them if we can. All right, Edo, thanks for talking to me. Cheers, Nick. Thank you. All right, that was trainer Edo McGuinness. This is Jane Mangan. Jane, while I've been talking to Edo McGuinness, you've been trying to get the questions that he wants answered from the IHRB. What have they come up with? Yes, so I put in a call to Niall Cronin, the head of communications for the IHRB, and I started by asking the question that in the press release that was published on August 22nd by the IHRB, why did it not include the negative results of the pre-race test taking, taken from Laugh a Minute? Because when you read the uh, when you read the press release, that is a very important ingredient as to how you will interpret um said findings so Niall outlined that this hearing was in relation to rule 13b 13b being that the trainer failed to comply with reasonable instruction from a racing official he said it was not a hearing into an adverse analytical finding thus the matter of the test results didn't actually arise at the referral hearing I said it to him that should we have, should we, the public, or should we, the racing fans, have interpreted or presumed uh, from the nature of the hearing that the result was negative? Um, and basically he said yes, because it wasn't uh, a hearing into an adverse analytical finding. I said, is there an issue with transparency here, the lack of detail in this report? It's not that long ago we were taking recommendations from the Euroctus, who obviously put the IHRB through their paces last year and Im- implored them to be more transparent with the public going forward. He said, Niall uh, outlined that and he d- didn't believe that there was any issue with transparency, but my personal take on this is that this the IHRB should learn from this that more detail uh, is required. Less detail in these types of reports encourages individuals to make their own interpretations jump to their own conclusions i don't see any negative with publishing these test results particularly when you read this if you knew straight off that the pre-race sample was back and that it was negative you would probably read the rest of the report with a different frame of mind he also was keen to outline that it was not five samples taken before the race it was five vials taken which makes up one single sample
is that would that be different then from I mean, Ada McGuinness is seeking to differentiate between whatever he thinks is five samples, the IHRB says is five vials. He's suggesting there is a difference between what was taken off his horse and what might be taken off all the others. Yeah, I I, I was only, I, basically, I'm only relaying what Niall told me that that five vials was encompassing one sample. I did ask him then, I went on to ask him, why was there no IHRB member of staff on duty at the Curra? To, uh, around to escort laugh a minute from the parade ring to the sampling area why did nobody accompany the horse um he said that is not in the rules if he's not a, a winner of the race he does not have to be escorted down some uh there have been whatsapps going around of a screenshot of a what looks like an ihrb rule it's actually not it's one of the one of the 18 recommendations made by dr craig swan who will remember back in january started an independent audit in the IHRB. He published his findings and his recommendations in April of 2022, but it's not actually a rule. It's one of his recommendations. I asked Niall if the uh, recommendations are going to be put into force. He said all of Dr. Swan's recommendations are being considered and will be factored into the next budget cycle. Right. Then, will, so, so, so let's just just to recap this this particular recommendation, the WhatsApp that's been doing the rounds that that that, that could have been mistaken for for a rule, but is in fact a recommendation from Dr. Swan says after the running of a race, the horse selected by the stewards for something will be observed by an IHRB security guard and escorted from the parade ring by the guard back to the stabling area to pick up a bucket and sponge and any other required gear and then onto the veterinary unit whereupon the veterinary um assistant takes over the supervision of the horse the identity of the horse is confirmed through a scan of its microchip by the security guard while in their care the horse is permitted to drink etc etc so that that's not a rule at all but but they're, they're they're waiting for the next budget review to see whether they can put those recommendations in well, they're considering all of his recommendations. I, I'm only relaying what Niall said to me, and that is obviously one of the recommendations that will be under serious scrutiny given the, the spotlight that's been shone upon it. And I also come back to the whole CCTV thing in, in Irish race courses and the fact that that's still not complete. And surely if we had guaranteed CCTV across all of the stable yards, that, that would help when it comes to a case like this. But uh, yeah, that is actually a recommendation from the auditor, not a rule in the book. All right. So where are we, Jane? Was that was that the extent of your, your conversation with Niall Cronin? No, I asked uh, why did no steward or IHRB staff contact the trainer or his oh, representative yes. either by intercom over the race course Tanai or by phone call as soon as they realised the horses had left the stable yard. Just for context, just remind our listeners that the race was at 2.35pm. Uh, the CCTV shows the horses leaving the stable yard at 3.31 p.m. But the tachograph on the lorry, and Ado McGuinness has proof that his lorry did not leave the curra until 4.10. So there's a gap of 40 minutes from when the horses were seen leaving the stable yard to when the lorry actually vacated the area. But uh, Niall replied by saying that once the horses had left the vicinity of the stable yard, they are considered to be gone. The IHRB staff are busy with day-to-day -day running of the event, a uh, race day that is. They are not chasing. Uh, I personally would think it would have been worth a phone call. It would have been worth calling the trainer because this case getting into the public domain, the way it has, with as little detail as that press release did, that can be spun whatever way you want in the wider media. And that is detrimental to the industry. So the IHRB are meant to be custodians of the sport. 
I would argue in this case, they have let the sport down. It's a it's a really interesting case, this, isn't it? Because you thought after last week, and you and I both said, oh, he's lucky to get away with 750 euros. And then he's he's reared up against the against the publication of the findings and the way they've been presented. And you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. You you've you've got away quite lightly here. You'd do best to 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 just to move on. But of course, McGuinness knows that his reputation has been has been somewhat tarnished. He's also fairly acutely aware from the interview that you heard with me a few moments ago that the image of the sport has been tarnished when you could argue that it needn't have been had this been presented more fully and more frankly. Yes, that's that's the that's the most important relevant part of this. Adrian McGuinness is not appealing the sanction, but he knows how the report is being interpreted. It is being interpreted as he is guilty and he is fleeing the crime scene when in actual fact, none of this needed to have happened and it certainly did not need to be in the public domain. And I know uh, the IHB will argue, well, it's not our job to hold hands and, um, you know, chase people. But ultimately, it is your job to be, as I said, custodians of the sport, protect the industry. And this has had a detrimental effect. It has appeared on the Irish Examiner, on the Times. It's not just in the, the racing press. So this could have been avoided. You and I interpreted, as most people did when we saw the press release, very differently one week ago as the views certainly I have on it today. Well, there was a, a little bit of a, a, a flurry in us in Australia that, that there mightn't be an international contender for the Cox Plate this year. Um, that might not necessarily be the case. It's a question of semantics, really, as to what you what you class as an international horse. Trainer James Ferguson's with me now. You've known for a while that his two middle distance stars, El Bodegon and Doville Legend, both had Australia on the dance card for a little little while. James, just to explain what's happening with them both. Um, so Dover Legend, uh, after his performance in the Great Voltager, is running in the Melbourne Cup. And um, he uh, is running under our name. And El Bodigon, the plan has always been to send him down to Australia for Chris Waller. It's uh, the syndicates um, own. They're, they're Aust- it's an Australian syndicate who have been very loyal to me since we first, since I first started training. They were the first owners I ever had horses with, and the plan has always been to to buy yearlings here in Europe, uh, train them here throughout their in, their infancy of their, their career, and then to send down to Chris because Chris Chris created this syndicate, and we're incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have them while they're here. You know, my job is effectively part of my job is is to train train these horses. Basically, basically act as a pre trainer to make sure that they've got quality horses down in Australia for the for them to enjoy. Because obviously, the prize money down there it's um, you know it's a no brainer for these um, uh, ambitious owners. So essentially, you're doing for Chris with El Bodegon exactly what George Bowie really is doing for Gay Waterhouse and and Adrian Bot with Hu Yamal. Absolutely, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm just um, lucky enough to have had our bodyguard since we bought him at Tassels. And as for Dovial Legend, he does get to run for you in the Melbourne Cup. How exciting is that for, for your whole team? Huge. Um, Nick, I've, uh, I don't know if you know, I, I've travelled down horses for the Melbourne Cup before um, during my time at Charlie Appleby's and there is nothing like it. There is no racing event that 
compares to to the day of the Melbourne Cup and the Spring Carnival. You know, the Breeders' Cup obviously comes very close um, in terms of, 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 of viewed races. Um, so to have to have an opportunity to to go down there and and let alone with the current favourites, um, it's huge for our yard. You know. Um, Bon Ho is a, is a huge international owner, um, who, and it's, it's a race he's, um, obviously to win for a long time. And, um, you know, for us to go down there is, is, you know, huge. James, thanks so much. Best of luck. No worries. Thank you. Jane Mangan, we, we ought to talk a little more about Little Big Bear. Aidan O'Brien saying at the, at the weekend that the horse had missed the national stakes with a foot issue. This is slightly set my alarm bells ringing. Yeah, that knocked me for 10 as well, because we were looking forward to maybe a clash in the national stakes between Noble Style and Little Big Bear of Coolmore and Godolphin, the superpowers going head to head. And now the, I suppose, the season's leading two-year-old. He's on time form ratings, nine pounds clear at the top of the two-year-old table with that brilliant performance in the Phoenix Stakes. And we knew when he contested the Phoenix Stakes that it was touch and go whether he would even line up in that because he had kicked the wall pre-race and he had... um, stood on his shoe it seems that he's still recovering from that injury and it hasn't been all plain sailing so it's it's a huge doubt for the rest of his two-year-old campaign but hopefully uh, we'll get a little bit more information as our champions weekend approaches in less than a fortnight's time but uh, he's been the star two-year-old of, of the European season and it would be a great shame if we didn't see him again this year. Let's talk about the group one action this weekend the Sprints Cup at Haydock Park over six furlongs. A lot will depend on on what happens weather-wise. There'll be horses that come right into the mix here if it's if it's soft or heavy, and, and less so if the ground remains on top. Just looking at the race, anything catch your eye? Well, you have the the sprinters that have turned up many a dance this year, Minzal, Naval Crown, Emirati, and Arc Power. You know, that we've seen plenty of them this year. One horse that we have not seen uh, much of in his three-year-old year is Castle Star. We've only seen him once. When he ran the Sapphire Stakes, he finished fifth. He looked like he travelled really well before getting tired. Now, his two-year-old form from last year is right up there with perfect power. Um, we saw Fuzzy Stack and Craig Burnick team up with a, a classy juvenile uh, last Saturday at the Curra to win a Group 3. And I wonder, is he sneaking in under the radar? We know he can cruise at a really high pace, but he definitely needs rain. So I don't know what's forecast over there. And I know horses like Art Power and more would come into the dragon symbol would come into the reckoning if the rain did fall. But Castle Star, he's something like 25 to one. If the rain came, he's an interesting player. Well, Hugo Palmer, who is now a local trainer, relatively speaking to Haydock Park, uh, has three engaged in the race at the moment. They are Flaming Rib, who was second in the Commonwealth Cup. Brad the Brief, who was very good in Ireland last time. And Dubawi Legend, who won a Group 3 in Germany last weekend. And you heard all about that and the Ross Coakley ban on yesterday's podcast. Hugo, one, two or three or none for the Sprint Cup at this stage? Uh, well, if I had to declare in the next five minutes, I would say three, and then we'll we'll make our mind up as the race gets closer. Um, Dubawi Legend literally has just driven past me on the gallops back into the yard, um, having overnighted in Newmarket. Um, so it's going to be a quick turnaround for him, but he hasn't left a note all the way back from Germany. And the video I saw of him trotting in Newmarket yesterday evening, he was squealing and fresh and well, and he looks fantastic. So... Um, Provided his regular rider is happy with him tomorrow and the next morning, I'd be pretty sure we'll be declaring him. There aren't many other options. It's either 
carry a penalty in the Ben Goff at Ascot or, or wait for, for the champion sprint. Um, so I think he'd be being declared. Flaming Rib, this has been the plan all along, um, and he isn't ground dependent. He ran a huge race in the Commonwealth Cup, but he's also a listed winner on heavy ground. So he isn't ground dependent, and the plan is to declare him. Um, and Brad, the briefs in excellent order. He does need rain. There looks like there'll be rain at some stage. Whether it will come in time for the Sprint Cup, I don't know. It seems to be a fairly movable feast, but he will be being declared as well. So it's gonna, things are going to need to fall right for us to run all three. But at this stage, I think all three will be declared. Is the jockey situation uh, complicated or straightforward this weekend? This weekend is always the most complicated jockey situation of the entire season. Um, really? Um, that surprises me a little bit. Well, you've got Ascot, you've got Haydock, you've got um, Kempton... Um, to name but three, there's a there's a lot of ra- lot of racing, big races at all places, big fields at Ascot, big hundred grand handicaps that take up twenty decent jockeys, and um, it's always quite tricky. But um, Ross Coakley will keep the ride on Dubai Legend should he line up. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, Ben Curtis will ride Flaming Rib. He rode him in the July Cup. Um, and um, just I'm just working on options for Brad the Brief at the moment. It's obviously he's one of the highest rated horses in the race, only one pound off top rated and a Group Two winner this term. But he's not a certain runner because the rain will need to arrive. You will probably know about the Riding a Dream Academy, which supports young people aged 14 to 18 from diverse ethnic communities and underprivileged backgrounds. Well, there is a special course being aimed now specifically at those who have little or no riding or horse experience. The co-founder is ITV Racing's Ollie Bell, who's with me now. Uh, Ollie, this academy is going incredibly well. You're just diversifying a little now. Just tell me about the, this new initiative. Yeah, um, we're really pleased to announce that, actually, um, Nick, because I think it's really important to open our doors as a sport and indeed as an academy to people with who aren't fortunate enough to have land or horses and to experience, as I said on Twitter, the, the magic of, of horses and indeed racing. So um, what this is, is a week, I mean, it's fairly self-explanatory, but it's a week for people with no riding or horse experience to come at the British Racing School. It's fully funded by um, the Academy who have been funded by the Racing Foundation. Um, they'll come and, and they'll have a, an introductory week into the world of horse racing and everything that, that that has to offer, but also being in and around horses at the Racing School who have been brilliant from when the Academy started. Um, and they've been very accommodating in allowing us the opportunity to, to expand as an Academy. Uh, so it's Monday the 24th to Friday the 28th of October and it is quite literally for, for all comers. Absolutely that. Look, I don't know whether you agree, but I think that nowadays in 2022, sort of gone are the days when most people had horses. There were most people who had the ability to go outside and sort of roam around in a field. Well, nowadays, lots of young children don't have that, that sort of privilege. And therefore, I think it's important for us as a sport that we're able to to go into these places and say look come with us we'll show you how brilliant how exciting this sport is and these animals are and hopefully one or two might get the bug and stay in it for life or go to their nearest riding centers when they get home and carry on with the passion because i think it's true for me and certainly for most people i speak to in racing but once you get the bug with horses, it's very hard for that to leave you. And I think it stays with you for life. And rather than 
us as a sport sort of arrogantly expecting people to come to us. I think nowadays we've got to be much more proactive in going to them and showing them what we have to offer. And hopefully this course gets a lot of interest. And if people want to apply, they go to ridingadreamacademy.com forward slash introductory week. Um, you can find out all the information there. But, but, but we're saying here's a course designed for you with no experience in racing and hopefully you'll have the bug for life. ITV broadcaster Ollie Bell there with the latest initiative uh, from the Riding a Dream Academy. Well, there's been a decidedly German theme to this podcast of late. Not only have we been um, charting the exploits, and quite rightly so, of the reigning Arc de Triomphe champion Torquato Tasso, who runs in the Grosse Preis von Baden uh, the weekend with Frankie de Tori on board, but we also spoke last week with two of the, the leading sales consigners and most successful breeders in Germany, Gregor and Julia Baum, um, particularly about Daydream and the uh, raft of horses that they're sending to the the upcoming BBAG sale. I'm very pleased to check in once again uh, in conjunction with our friends at Weatherbees, who research more pedigrees than anyone else globally, uh, with uh, Klaus uh, Eulenberger, the director of sales for BBAG, Germany's leading sales house, with the premier sale beginning this Friday, the 2nd of September from, from 10 o'clock local time. Uh, Klaus, good morning, and thank you for joining me. Uh, how much are you looking forward to this year's this year's offering? Good morning, Nick. Um, yeah, I think we improved the the quality of the catalogue again this year. Um, in the last in the last years, we were happy to have two or three see the stars in the catalogue. That's just an example. We've see the stars this year. We have eight, so uh, you can see how we managed it to improve. We have uh, two nice Frankel. Frankels, we have um, Lope de Vegas, um, Wooden Bassets, so the full higher power here. Uh, and how have you achieved that? How have you managed to attract a better class of pedigree and a better quality of yearling to the sale? Yeah, we have we have shown our vendors that we um, can improve the sales and that we can make sure that there's a top class facility here to sell their horses. And um, so this year, they, our leading vendors stayed in Germany. They don't send any yearlings abroad. So um, that makes the strength of this sale, you know. So so normally speaking, you would have competition from Arcana and from Tatasource, people sending maybe some of the best German uh, yearlings there rather than, rather than staying at home? Yes. Yes, that's the point. And this year, this year not. Gestüt Fairhof, um, the Jacobs family, Gestüt Girlsdorf, Brümerhof, all the big consigners, they leave all yearlings in the country and don't send them abroad. And tell me a little bit about, uh, last year we spoke just in the lead up to, to this weekend and, and the Grosse Price von Baden and the, and the sales in Baden-Baden in as well. Tell me a little bit about how uh, German racing is, is recovering from the pandemic. Uh, at the moment, at the moment, we're on up. Um, thanks to, uh, on, uh, especially on international basis, thanks to Tokata Tasso, who's a who's a real star for Germany on the on on the international basis. Um, so yeah, we are we're happy that uh, to have him here once again at Baden-Baden in the in the group one and maybe um uh, that's the last time we see him here um before he retires um for to Estonian duties so so you've actually noticed a distinct upswing in interest in german racing because of his exploits last year 
Yes, I think I think that's the that's the main point. Um, we had Daydream um, uh, ten years ago winning the arc, which was a great success for Germany. But um, especially now after Torquato Tasso, it is it is we we need these horses, you know, with the international success to uh, to show that uh, what German racing is like, you know, sound and soundness, toughness. You know, that's that's what we breed. We breed sound and tough horses here. And are there horses coming up behind Torcato Tassa? Are you encouraged by what you're seeing, say, from this year's three-year-old crop? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this year's this year's uh, Derby winner, which was at our sales as well, um, San Marco. Um, he will clash with Torcato Tasso on Sunday, and um, we see, you know, the three years old against the five years old. Um, we see. Um, we are really looking forward to that race. Um, there are still a few um, very good foreign horses in that race. And um, yeah, so I think that's the race of the year in Germany. Okay, and maybe one of the maybe one of the races of the of this part of the year in in Europe. And you've got a lovely little win. You've got a lovely little window to yourself, really, because Deauville's finished. We're a week before the Irish Champion Stakes. We've got Haydock, but we're before the St Ledger meeting. You've got a lovely window to really showcase German racing this weekend. Yeah, especially you know, with the we we have a we have a nice meeting here so far. It's great. The 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 racetrack improved again, and it's a real international meeting we have here, and we're really really happy about it. And with the group one, the Crosser Prize of Baden uh, this year, um, yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's a very good prep race for the arc, you know. So um, yeah, we see we see how things work out, but um, we are delighted with the quality this year. And um, hopefully we have the, the race of the season in Germany. Okay, you've got a, a, some beautiful pedigrees in the in the catalogue. Are there any you want to pick out particularly that might be of interest to our listeners? Oh, there there are so many this year, so it's it's hard to pick to pick out a few. We have a we have a, a very nice Dubavi filly um, from from Gestüt Bromov out of the the Group One Oaks winner, Diamanta. She mm-hmm. is a first foal and a lovely filly. We have we have eight seed stars, colts, fillies, you know, from the leading German bloodlines. There is a there's a seed stars uh, half brother to Virginia Joy, who just won um, group races in the US this year. And um, we have two Frankels, we have the wooden, wooden Bassets, Kingmans. Um, of course, we have um, uh, uh, four Colts by Adler Fluke, very nice Colts, um, which should be um, highly of a highly interest from an international side. And um, also, you know, uh, uh, many Soldier Hollows, which is actually great. He has had some international success this year as well, um, especially in France. So, um, yeah, really, really looking forward with these nice horses they just arrived last night and and tomorrow uh, this morning so um until tomorrow we have all yearlings here and inspections start tomorrow nine o'clock all right thanks to klaus and to all my guests today jane mangat is still with me jane um before you give us a tip a nice little story that caught your eye in the in the thoroughbred daily news well i don't know whether nice is the right word but a, a quirky story that caught your eye in the thoroughbred daily news today yeah, I did laugh a little bit. So uh, Rob Ferguson uh, in Australia, he bought and he splurged twenty on 22 fillies to the tune of one million Aussie dollars over a three hour period at the National Yearling Sales 
back in June. Now, he said or he has revealed since that he was experiencing a medical episode during that spending spree. Uh, he says he suffered from a lung. He suffers from a lung condition and was on uh, was being weaned off strong steroids by his doctor at the time. So unbeknownst to him, one of the side effects of this process is euphoria. So he said it was like going into the Magic Millions bar all day and then deciding that you're going to buy some horses. So uh, he bought the horses under an, an, a banner that nobody's heard of, Lewis Bloodstock, Lewis being his dog. And uh, he, he has revealed since that he's going to offer all 22 unbroken two-year-old fillies at the Magic Millions online sale uh, between the 5th and 9th of September. He knows he's going to take a hit, but... I did uh, I did laugh at how he's taken it on the chin and uh, one of those stories where you can barely believe it was allowed to happen. And people in this part of the world will remember Rob Ferguson, perhaps chiefly for the exploits of a horse called Vizinari, who was um, a very impressive, initially very impressive two-year-old before the wheels slightly came off and then he went down to Australia and the wheels came off a bit more and then the wheels went back on and he's starting to look quite useful again. Um, so uh, best wishes to Rob and uh, a, a good story there from, from the TDN today. Jane, have you got a tip for me? Yes, and going to the UK and to Ripon in the 235, Cody Dancer, Clifford Lee, Carl Burke and Nick Bradley teaming up in the nursery at 235. I think Cody Dancer can uh, bring up the second win of his two-year-old career. All right, Jane, thanks so much. I'm off to Epsom today. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday, the 30th of August. Don't forget, if you do enjoy this podcast, do tell your friends. And if you're kind enough to leave us a rating and a review on any of your uh, favorite podcast platforms, we'd be very appreciative. Uh, see you again tomorrow. That's all for now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.